You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. That would suck indeed, so I will not drop the mic, figuratively maybe, but uh, not literally. Welcome into Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. Today we have a fantastic yet shortened podcast. Um, why? Because I have a flight to catch to Houston, where the Final Four is. So, should be awesome. I'm actually super excited. I'm going to go to the Final Four, and uh, yeah, i got to get on a plane here in the next little bit. So this will be a quick one. But I couldn't leave without posting publicly my predictions for this Final Four. So we're going to jump right to it. Uh, we've got you know, we've had two amazing weekends of basketball, and we've got one more left. We've got this Saturday, and then I guess technically the championship isn't on a weekend. It's on Monday. But if you're not excited for this Final Four, something is wrong with you, and you're not a real basketball fan. How awesome has this tournament been? It's been, it's been truly one of the best tournaments I can remember. Kansas went down this last week um, to Villanova. Villanova's good. Villanova's really good. We forget, people forget Villanova was ranked number one in the country for several weeks this season. They're no slouch, and here they are in the Final Four. And then, of course, who would have predicted Syracuse would get this far other than, you know, the Orange Homers? I look at the ESPN Tournament Challenge thing, and all the people at the top of the list now are, of course, you know, their, their usernames are things like Orange Crush and things like that. So I'm not sure if you can really uh, consider yourself like ultra smart and pat yourself on the back for being such a such an intelligent predictor of games when in reality all that you did was pick your homer team to to go to the final four, which was completely unrealistic. When you did it, you probably laughed with your buddies and said, "Ha ha! Look, I put orange, I put uh, Syracuse in the final four, and now they made it." So kudos to you guys that uh, that put them there. I don't think anyone actually thought they would get there, including Jim Beheim himself, but. The Orangemen are in the Final Four, and I tell you what, they're looking dangerous. And it's a, you know, their matchup with North Carolina, that's not even a tournament game. That's a conference game. I mean, anything can happen in conference games. Everybody knows when you're familiar with a team, when you're familiar with a program, and you're familiar with the coaches and the players, and you've played them, and you, you, it's different than just watching film and prepping for somebody for a couple of days. It's a team that you've already faced several times. You know, if you're a junior, senior, you've seen them many times. The coaches have seen each other many times. The preparation is entirely different for a, a conference game than it is for an opponent in the NCAA tournament, usually, that you've never faced before, certainly not that season. So I'm a big fan of trying to keep the conferences from running into each other, um, and, unless they both, you know, make it to the Sweet 16 type of thing. I think it's good to spread them out to avoid those types of matchups. But the ACC is just too good. They really are. They're just too good. I mean, the ACC had six teams in the Sweet 16. They had four in the Elite Eight, all of which were on the same side of the bracket. So it was an all-ACC lineup there on the right side of your bracket, which meant two of them had to go home. And so two of them, of course, move on. And that's Syracuse and North Carolina. Now one of them's guaranteed to be in the championship game. And it's just it's just crazy how good the ACC is. So I think North Carolina will win that game. I predicted them to win it all, you know, a couple weeks ago. And they're still holding strong, thank goodness for, for me and my bracket. But uh, I would not be 
surprised if the Orange continued, you know, to pull it off. I, I don't think they will, but I'm just saying in a conference game, you just can't, you can't, I mean, you should expect the unexpected a little bit, you know? I mean, nobody, nobody thinks that Syracuse is a better team than Virginia. Nobody thinks that. But because they beat them and they were better that night, you know, to get to the Final Four, here they are, you know? And, and they deserve it, honestly. It's the team that nobody thought belonged in the Final Four or in the tournament at all. And here they in the fi- here they are in the final four. I mean, I just think that's the coolest story. I love that kind of stuff. And because it's Syracuse, we're not really thinking of it as like this Cinderella story. You know, it's not like VCU making the final four or George Mason. Uh, because you know, it's Jim Beheim. It's Syracuse. They won a national championship a decade or so ago with Carmelo Anthony, twelve years ago, whatever it was. And you know, they've been to several final fours. Nobody looks at Syracuse as a Cinderella. But this season, they really, truly are. I mean, they were a team that didn't even have 20 wins going into the tournament. They were by far the most criticized team who got into the tournament. Uh, the committee was criticized the most for putting them into the tournament above any other team that got in. And they're in the Final Four, and they just beat the one seed in their in their region, uh, Virginia. So kudos to Jim Beheim, kudos to Syracuse. They're there. I think they deserve it. I'm looking at our uh, STB Sports Take Tournament Challenge on ESPN. I am currently in second place, which, you know, I'm pretty proud of that. That's kind of cool. First place is uh, someone named M. Woodman. So whoever that is, congratulations. You're 20 points ahead of me, and you are going to beat me because we have the same remaining bracket. We only have 480 possible points remaining. So I will not get first place. I'm in second place. Phil Hyatt, though, is in third. He's actually our one of our producers who's helped us out with some research and whatnot. He's in third place, and he has 640 possible points remaining because he has UNC and Oklahoma in his championship. And the thing I want to point out about Phil's bracket, I want to give him a little pat on the back here. Phil actually had Villanova beating Kansas. He had that matchup. He had that... In his Elite Eight over there, he had... Actually, you know what? He didn't. He had UConn beating Kansas, which didn't happen. Uh, so he had UConn and Mar- UConn and Cal. So his, his top part of that was actually completely wrong. Um, but it worked out to his favor because Villanova, in the end, you know, got there anyway. So he had predicted you know, Kansas would get upset earlier than they did. But uh, the end result was the same. He, he had Villanova beating Miami in the Elite Eight, and uh, then Villanova moving on to the Final Four, which they did. So he actually got Villanova, Oklahoma, UNC all in his Final Four. Getting three out of four Final Four teams right is very impressive, especially this year. Nobody had Syracuse, um, again, unless you're unless you're like on campus over there or something. But uh, Phil looks like he's likely the front runner to win because I do think that Oklahoma is going to win. We'll get into matchups a little bit a little bit. Uh, uh, later here, but Phil Hyatt in third place looking poised to win the $50 gift card from kzgear.com for the STB Sports Take Tournament Challenge. We had a total of, I think there was like, you know, 17 or 18 people that entered. Kind of a cool, cool thing. Um, we do have someone by the name of Sun Power for Life. They have Oklahoma winning it all, so they have 480 possible points remaining, but the rest of their Final Four is is gone. Jesse 
has UNC winning it all with 640 points remaining. So that actually could see a huge bump up there because Jesse, let's see who Jesse had in their championship. They also had UNC Oklahoma. So they had Maryland in their final four. That did not happen. And Purdue, bold picks, just not the best ones. But Oklahoma, UNC, anyone that picked that, I think you are sitting pretty. So that's a little update on our tournament challenge, STB Sports Take. Um, the second chance one, not many people jumped on board with that one. There's only a handful of people in it. In fact, I'm not even, well, yeah, let's look it up real quick. Let's see if we can find that. Go down to tournament challenge, second chance. Got it. Okay. So in our second chance bracket, STB Sports Take, second chance. Yeah, we had we just had a handful of people, and it looks like everyone's champion is already out. Uh, there's Vikings, 648, and Shrammy Sito, Shrammy Sito 21, with 160 possible points remaining, which means one of them probably has UNC in the championship. Yeah, they had Kansas beating North Carolina, and then the other one, that was Shrammy Sito 21, and then... Vikings uh, also had Kansas beating UNC. So somebody there will tie, and that's just a fun little second chance thing. I like the second chance. I don't know what you guys thought of it. Not many people jumped on board with the second chance bracket. Not not uh, here on Simply the Best Sports Podcast or uh, amongst just my friends that I do this with. It didn't seem to strike the same chord with the other people that it did with me. I thought it was an awesome idea. I'm super stoked that ESPN offered it, and I think it added that much more to the second weekend and beyond because it's like, hey, you know what? Like, okay, we got the Michigan State upset out of you know out of the way. We've seen all these teams play two games each. We're seeing the you know, we're seeing the the games or at least the highlights. We're looking at the final score. We're seeing what's happening. We're listening to analysis. Everyone's much more involved and so you start to learn more about teams like a Stephen F. Austin than you knew before the tournament started when you're just kind of guessing a little bit on some of these games or looking at RPI, BPI, stuff like that. So I actually really, really like the second chance bracket, and I'm going to push hard next year to get more people to be part of it because I think the the playing field kind of levels out once the Sweet 16 hits, and I think it's really fun to see you know see what people predict after they've got a you know that first weekend and a few games under their belt. So that was the uh, this the, the second chance bracket. I do want to talk though about my my uh, tournament challenge pool with my friends. We. We all put in a hundred bucks each um, as a participation fee, not gambling. <laughs> so our our registration fee amongst ourselves was a hundred dollars to uh, be part of the participation of the tournament challenge, and we decided that uh, we would allocate thirteen hundred and thirty dollars to first place for that tournament challenge. And yours truly is currently in second place. But I'm the only one of the 19 of us to have picked North Carolina to win it all. Which means if North Carolina wins it all, I will leapfrog the guy in front of me uh, who has Kansas picked to win it all. And I'll get first place. So I am going to be at the Final Four and I will be a very big Tar Heels fan. Um, For one, I kind of always have been just because I'm a Michael Jordan guy. BYU is my, my first love with college. That's where I went. I'm a BYU alum. But North Carolina has always been kind of my, you know, other team that I've cheered for uh, in college sports, uh, especially in basketball, just because I was such a huge Michael Jordan fan growing up. So we'll see if the Tar Heels uh, can pull through. But 
Um, what a crazy, crazy tournament it's been. It's just been so much fun. And now we've got these great matchups. We've got the ACC matchup we talked about. And on the other side, we haven't even talked about this yet. We've got two number two seeds in Villanova and Oklahoma. And honestly, I think, I truly think that both of those teams could have been number ones. Um, Oregon certainly didn't look like a number one to me in this tournament. Oklahoma looked like the far stronger team throughout, uh, in my opinion. I mean, they you look at Oklahoma's, you know, the first two rounds, Oklahoma was a little bit shaky. They won just by by 14 in the first round against, you know, their their lowly 15 seed over there. And then they go on and they play VCU, the 10 seed, and they only win by four. And so they kind of looked a little shaky in that first weekend. But I'm telling you, that first weekend is just crazy because the, the teams and the coaching staff, they're in the same position we are, really. Like, they don't, they've never even heard of the team they're going up against half the time. They've never seen them play. They've never looked at a box score. And so they just, boom, immediately have to hop to it. But once you've been in that tournament and seen a couple of things for a couple of games, once the Sweet 16 hits, you definitely see the upsets start to drop off. And that, for the most part, held true this tournament as well. Um, but yeah, so Oklahoma beats VCU by four. But then they get to their tough games. They play Texas A&M, the three seed, and they beat them by 14. Then they play Oregon, the one seed, and they beat them by 12. And so Oklahoma's looked really, really strong uh, as the two seed coming up out of the west. And then if you look over at Villanova, who came out of the south, their first round, again, they're also the the two, the two seeds. So their first round, they won by 30, 30 points in the first round over the 15. Then they played Iowa, the seven in the second round, and they beat them by 19. Then they played Miami, the three seed in the sweet 16, and they beat them by 23. I mean, they are, they have just steamrolled their way into the elite eight. And then they played Kansas and they beat Kansas by five, who was the number one overall seed. So, Villanova looks really, really good. In fact, Villanova, I mean, if you just go off of, you know, the the path we just went through, you got to think Villanova's, you know, going to win this game. But then you remember that Oklahoma has Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald is playing out of his mind right now. That guy is absolutely making himself more and more money every single game. I mean, he, he his trajectory in the NBA draft has got to be just increasing dramatically with every passing game because... In my opinion, if I'm an NBA scout, and I've always been kind of this way, if I'm an NBA scout and I'm looking at potential players to draft, you know, you've got your Ben Simmons, who's, who's this freshman phenom at LSU, but they didn't even make the tournament, so we're not seeing him play at this higher level. This is a higher level of basketball on the collegiate uh, collegiate level. It's it's winner go home. It's it's winner take all, and nobody wants it more in any sport than these college basketball players do in this tournament. It means everything to them. And there are no, there's no margin for error. If you lose, you're done and ask the Michigan state Spartans about that. You cannot make mistakes or a dream season can be shattered. Right? So you look at like this, the, the, the level and the quality of play in this tournament and you see guys like buddy healed, just rising to the occasion. And if I'm an NBA scout that's what I want. You know, that's what I want. I want to see guys that can rise to the occasion. I want to see guys that can that can take their team to the tournament and then carry them in the tournament. 
Stephen Curry did that at Davidson. Stephen Curry averaged like 40 points a game to get Davidson into the Elite Eight. Nobody had heard of Davidson before that tournament. No, nobody knew who Davidson was. Nobody knew. I mean, maybe maybe you'd heard of the school, maybe. But Stephen Curry put them on the map. I mean, Stephen Curry pretty much got his little brother to go to Duke because he did so well. Stephen did so well in the in the NCAA tournament at Davidson that it got his brother some some more looks. I mean, obviously their dad Dell, you know, he was a NBA player for years. But I'm I'm telling you, if you can get, have a player that carries his team in the NCAA tournament, that says a lot about that player. And Stephen Curry is a prime example. Another guy I remember just being, you know, growing up in Utah was Andre Miller. Andre Miller was a guy everybody knew he was going to the league. He was a fantastic player um, with the Utes. He was kind of in the shadow of Keith Van Horn until Keith Van Horn graduated, and uh, Andre Miller was the the, the clear cut leader of the running Utes his senior year. And that was the year that uh, the Utes made a run all the way to the national championship. And Andre Miller, I mean, I'm not a Utah fan because I'm a BYU fan. You know, I try to be non, you know, I try to, with, with, within the podcast, within my blog, I've tried very, very hard to be, you know, diplomatic about things, but I'm definitely a, a BYU fan and Utah is, is of course their, their uh, arch rival. But that season, I got to admit, I was so thoroughly impressed by Andre Miller. He played out of his mind and he just played with so much heart and so much energy and leadership. And the guy was getting triple doubles. I mean, I, re- I still remember when this was in the 98 season and, you know, they make a run to the final four and they're, they're going up against North Carolina in the final four and nobody thought they could do it. They had just beaten Arizona with Mike Bibby and, and, uh, Miles Simon. And that was like crazy. Nobody thought they had a chance in that game and they beat them handily. I don't have the box score in front of me, but I know that it beat him handily by like by 20 plus type of thing. And Rick Majerus, you know, he was the head coach. Rick Majerus had, had introduced the triangle and two defense to the world, which he came up with supposedly on a napkin with George Carl in a restaurant. And they just blew the Wildcats out. And I think the Wildcats were actually defending national champs. And, and so they go on and play UNC and nobody gives them a chance there and they beat them. And they, and Andre Miller's do, I mean, they had Mike Doliak and Hanno Medela. They had some good players and, but, but Andre Miller was the guy, and it put him on the map, and he went on to play in the NBA for like, I don't know, 50 years or something like that. I mean, I think he might still be in the NBA. I don't even know, but if he's not, he probably should be a head coach there because the guy could play, and you didn't really he, – he wasn't really like that superstar college guy until that tournament, and he carried them. He had triple doubles. He was hitting the clutch shots. He was doing all these things. Buddy Heald's doing that, and I'm telling you, Buddy Heald – He's got a career in the NBA. That guy can play. I know he's not a freshman, and so it's not as cool, you know, in these scouts' minds. They're thinking like, oh, well, I mean, gosh, you know, like Ben Simmons, he's only 19. Like, look what he can do. He can jump so high. He can run so fast. And I get that that's, you know, you got to draft on potential in a lot of cases. But but Buddy Heald's like a proven commodity, in my opinion. Uh, maybe they think, you know, his ceiling is lower because he is a proven commodity. He's had four years, and that's as high as he's going to go. But... I don't think so. I think we're going to see Buddy Heald go to the NBA and be there for a long, long time. He he can really play, and and he, to me, is the difference maker. I think Villanova has proven that they are a phenomenal team, a, a team that Oklahoma should be scared to death of, actually. But Buddy Heald, I think, will be the difference maker in that game. And when you have a superstar, basketball's a sport where a superstar can carry a team. Look at Stephen Curry and Davidson, and now Stephen Curry and the Warriors. Oh, the Warriors are phenomenal 
uh, all around. But I'm telling you, you take Steph Curry off the Warriors, they, they've lost probably 25 games this year instead of seven. And I mean that. I, I think they lose at least 15 more games if he's not a part of that team. Probably even more, actually. So superstars can carry teams. You look at what Michael Jordan did with the Bulls. Sure, he had great team teammates around him. Scottie Pippen's an all-time great. We've talked about that. Dennis Rodman. I mean, they, Horace Grant, Luke Longley, I could go on and on. They had, you know, Tony Kukoc. They had great players. Steve Kerr, who's the coach of the Warriors now. In fact, we're going to sidetrack a little note here. We're going to do a podcast on the uh, 2016 Warriors versus the 96 Bulls. It's pretty inevitable at this point that the Bulls record is going down. The Jazz had a chance last night, took the Warriors to overtime. Gosh, you really wish that the the Jazz could have pulled that one off, don't you? I mean, it would have been so cool to see see that eighth loss come to the Warriors at the hands of the Utah Jazz, but uh, didn't happen. Warriors dominated the overtime, and they move one game closer to breaking that record that the Bulls set in the 95-96 uh, season with Jordan and Pippen and Rodman and Phil Jackson as coach and Ron Harper, Steve Kerr. That was a fantastic team. Holy cow, that team was good. But uh, the Warriors are going to beat it. So we're going to do a podcast kind of comparing those two teams because the the record is going to be broken. And call me a Jordan homer, call me a Bulls homer, call me a the 90s where it's a tougher you know era homer, whatever you want to say. But I honestly think the Bulls team would destroy that Warriors team. And I'll, I'll break it down in a later podcast, probably in a couple weeks once the, the season's over for the NBA. But I really think, I mean, I think of Scottie Pippen guarding Steph Curry or, um, you know, Clay Thompson. I, I truthfully think that Scottie Pippen could keep Clay Thompson from even touching the ball. I, I don't, I, I really don't even hesitate to say that. I think that his defense would be so smothering on Klay Thompson, he'd be taken completely out of the game. And I'm if I'm taking Draymond Green or Rodman, I'm taking Rodman. Rodman was able to to take the mailman, Carl Malone, out of his game. He's not going to have any problems with a guy like Draymond Green. So then it's like, okay, Steph Curry, maybe Steph Curry goes off for 35, you know, 40. And uh, he maybe Steph Curry averages 35 a game uh, with, you know, a guy like Ron Harper guarding him. That's fine. Let him do that, you know. I don't see Harrison Barnes doing much. You know, maybe you put uh, MJ on him. Maybe MJ takes a stab at uh, MJ was a phenomenal defender. Um, so maybe maybe you put Pippen on on Curry, Jordan on Clay Thompson. I'm ge- I'm getting way off track. We're gonna save this one. We'll save that for <laughs> for another podcast. But the Warriors one step closer. But getting back to the Buddy Heald thing. I mean, he's he's making himself money. He's getting he's getting so much attention right now in this NCAA tournament and it's it's the highest level of college basketball it, you you can't get any higher than this tournament it's it, the stakes are never higher the competition's never better and he's he's proven to get even stronger and stronger so in my opinion buddy heald is the player of the tournament he's the player of the year and i think he'll go you know probably he'll, he'll be i think he'll be a lottery pick now in the NBA draft and i think he'll have a a career that's uh successful in the NBA, barring injury, which you never wish upon anyone. So my predictions for this Final Four are Oklahoma wins a close one over Villanova. And I'm going to say that UNC beats Syracuse, but I'm going to predict that that one's not quite as close. I'm going to say they, you know, it's probably decided with about two minutes to go type of thing. I don't think it's going to be the the thing where there's a lot of you know free throws and nail biting at the end with the North Carolina Syracuse matchup, 
But I do see that happening with the Villanova-Oklahoma matchup. I think it's going to come right down to the wire. And I think we're going to see the Buddy Heels the difference. I do. I think we'll see that he's going to hit some big shots and you know some backbreaker-type shots, and I think Oklahoma will win that game. Then in the championship, Oklahoma versus North Carolina, that will be an awesome, awesome show. I'm hoping to go to that game as well. We'll have to play that by ear once I get down there. But I'm going to say that North Carolina wins that game, and I think North Carolina cuts down the nets in Houston, and they get another championship. Roy Williams, so that'll be his third. So I'm taking the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels still to win it all. Happy with my prediction from a few weeks ago, hoping it can hold true. We'll, uh, we'll recap it all when I get back, tell you about my experience. And I want to talk about, we said that uh, we would do our own Sweet 16 from all of the champions of this century from 2000 until now uh, with the North Carolina or whoever wins this Final Four. We will have 17 champions. So we're going to break them all down and we'll kind of tell you who we think would be the best overall from the original 16 and then maybe where North Carolina stacks up against them. Other upcoming podcasts, of course, will be the the Warriors-Bulls thing. But one thing I want to mention before we sign off here is how crazy is this D'Angelo Russell Nick Young thing? I mean, talk about stupidity. I mean, the Lakers just couldn't look any dumber right now. They're already just in a complete tailspin. They got blown out by the Jazz by 48 points. Worst loss in Laker history. Tied for the worst ever. Worst loss of Kobe Bryant's career. And it happened right here in Utah. And, uh, you know, on, then to add to that, they're having, they're having like their worst season ever. And now they've got D'Angelo Russell, this 19-year-old kid, you know, who's a very talented basketball player, secretly records a teammate as the teammate's basically confessing or talking about cheating on his fiancée, who's a famous Australian rapper, Iggy Azalea. And, and then somehow it gets released to the public. It's like, how dumb can you be? as a teammate. I mean, I'm not in any way condoning, you know, cheating on your girlfriend or spouse or fiance or anything like that. But I do think there needs to be lines that are drawn on like what friends and teammates do. And friends and teammates absolutely do not secretly record conversations and then leak it to the public. I mean, that's, that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of. So the Lakers are in complete disarray right now. That's kind of Kind of fun to watch a little bit, isn't it? I mean, unless you're from L.A. and you're a Laker fan, it's it's kind of actually, like, nice to see them struggling. I mean, we've been envious of them for decades, you know? It's like they've they've never really gone through struggles. I mean, a little bit, but even, you know, they, they're winning with Magic and Kareem and Worthy. And then they're, like, you know, kind of so-so, and they're making, you know, they, they go through some lulls, and then they... But then they're a playoff team for years, and then they get Shaq and Kobe, and they win a bunch more championships, and and then they're you know it's just and then they're still back in the playoffs, and so it's kind of nice to see them struggle. I'm sure they'll be back. They're they're Los Angeles. They're the Lakers. They'll be one of the top teams in the league again within the next five years, I'm sure, but uh, not this year. So kind of funny to watch, but yeah, Nick Young, D'Angelo Russell, really really kind of a boneheaded move on both of their parts, but but especially to make it so public. That's just not not the type of thing that anyone wants public, you know. So that was kind of a weird, dumb move by D'Angelo Russell. But that's all the time we have to, for today's podcast. Check us out online, stbsportstake.com. 
Uh, check me out on Twitter at Sean Bingham, S E A N B I N G H A M. We also have an Instagram, which I have not talked about much. Um, it's it's actually we're going to change the name at some point, but right now we've got a pretty strong following. I don't want to confuse. The Instagram name is Wall of Sports, uh, wall like a wall in your bedroom or John Wall, W A L L, Wall of Sports. So you check us out on Instagram. Check me out on Twitter. We want to hear your feedback. So if you're listening on iTunes or on SoundCloud, subscribe. Hit that subscribe. Hit that follow button. Give us a rating and tell us how we're doing. Love you guys. You're awesome. I love doing this podcast. Hope to bring you many, many more. Promise to bring you many, many more. But uh, that's it for today. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out STB Sports Take. Dot com simply the best in sports Cause we are-